0: Needing to find a way to create calm in his life during the pandemic, our next guest decided bees was the answer. And thanks to that and his wife creating beard oil for him, the couple have embarked on a new business venture. Today, we explore the alchemy behind Mad Russian Apothecary. I'm Matt Murray, Executive Editor of Business New Hampshire Magazine. And I'm Nathan Carroll, Chief Growth Officer of
1: Granite Media Group. And welcome to BizCast NH.
0: Good morning, Nathan. Good morning, sir. How are you? I'm doing good. You know, I... Maybe it's
1: not morning for some of our listeners. That's true. Good afternoon. Whatever you're listening. Good Good evening. Good day to you. It's Um, 2
0: a.m. You should really go to bed. Yeah.
1: It's okay. We'll be here here tomorrow.
0: (laughs) (laughs) So in preparing for today's guest, it got me thinking, you know, during the pandemic, a lot of people got into new activities, you know, they enrich themselves. And so I'm just wondering, is there anything that you've been meaning to get into that you haven't gotten into yet? Sleep, relaxation. <laughs> I don't know. That's <laughs> I true. don't know. You are the parent of toddlers. No, just basic no, no. living. <laughs> no,
1: but you know what? It's funny. I I sort of knew you were gonna you were gonna uh, pop that question, and I was thinking about this. And um, although it's not something that I got into during the pandemic, um, I would like to, or I, I have started to. I don't know. Get back into being more interested in aviation, which is something that oh, like, really? I've loved all my life. And, you know, besides just looking at planes in the sky and, and loving to fly and hang out at the airport and all that, um, I, at some point, I'm like, I, I'm thinking maybe in the next year or so, when I have slightly more time, maybe, I don't know, <laughs> um, would uh, just like to get back in a plane and, and fly again. Nice. Yeah, at some point, because it's just, it's awesome, and it's so much fun, and it's, you know, it's a, a lot of learning, obviously, to take lessons and do that, because I don't have my license. That's something I didn't do years ago, but um, that, I would like that to be the hobby someday again, so that's it. Nice. But I didn't get into it yet, but it's just on the horizon, you know, I'm getting my getting my feet wet again, getting excited about it.
0: And, I, you know, I admired everyone that during the pandemic, they're like, I'm going to, like, make myself better because I realized apparently I'm just not that motivated to improve myself. Like, I, I, you know, I had all these intentions. <laughs> I'm like, I'm going to start baking more and I'm going to do this and I'm going to start exercising and I'm just, you know, I'm going to reclaim my life. We're going to get organized because, right. you know, it was always said like, oh, this house would be so much cleaner if I could just have like a month to just mm-hmm. do nothing else. Yeah. Apparently, yeah, three years later was not the problem. So, (laughs) and I I just went into survival mode. I'm like, I, 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 good, good for all of you that are doing this. I personally am just trying to get through the day with my two children Mm -hmm, and surviving, mm -hmm. schooling them and working and surviving. I, I just couldn't do it. However, I would like to eventually, ironically, as a writer, to actually write. Yeah. You know, like you write so much during the day yeah. that by the time you get the kids to bed and all that, it's like, I don't have it in me. Yeah. Forget. So uh, someday the cool. Great American Novel or as, yeah. the Great American Smut Novel, as my mother smut has pointed novel. out, that's where the money is. <laughs> yes. So, you know, hey, You'll be on way. the
1: grocery store shelves. <laughs> <laughs> I'm so excited for that 50 day. Two Shades
0: of Maw. Yes. Not married.
1: Awesome. Oh my God. Oh my God. Well, that's another beautiful rabbit hole for this cast age, something we do quite often. Um, but you know what it's time for? So. We don't have any music for that one, but it is time to introduce our guest and to roll right into yes. a really um, I'm so excited uh, learning a lot about these folks and and their their lives and and this success that they've that they've found. So our guests this week are Alex and Amber Gaverlock, the husband and wife team behind Mad Russian Apothecary of Derry, New Hampshire. Alex, the grandson of Belarusian immigrants, was a self-described blue-collar worker before jumping into Mad Russian with both feet mid-pandemic. Amber has over 15 years' experience in marketing and branding, and even while growing Mad Russian, holds an additional full-time job as the marketing officer at NHTI, Concord Community College. Amber and Alex, it is so cool to have you.
2: Well, thank you so much for having us. We appreciate it. We yeah,
1: uh, we met you somewhat recently at Made in New England, our, uh, our holiday uh, expo, and um, we knew that there was a lot more to talk about. So... Um, our intros are sometimes what one might call, say, typical in their style, right, in their content. Um, but I have a feeling that the two of you are not typical at all. I have a feeling just because of the little bit I know about you and, and how we've talked, um, <laughs> which is a good thing. That's totally a good thing. But before we jump into the business and all of the products and everything, can you each tell our listeners a little bit about yourselves personally and professionally?
3: Okay, um, about myself personally, professionally, yeah. Matt talks about survival mode, mm-hmm. not maybe having that enlightened moment where he writes his novel. But I think we are trained to think that survival mode is a bad thing. Mm-hmm. You know, if all you're doing is maintaining and all you're doing is the bare minimum to take care of your house and your family, that is not a bad thing in any way, shape, or form. And that's kind of my philosophy when I started this was like a back to basics, because how do we define ourselves? And when the pandemic happened and a lot of people found themselves not working without a job, I think a lot of people were floundering. Mm -hmm. They didn't know what to do with their time, with their life to hit that higher level of Maslow's Pyramid. Mm. And that's kind of why I just decided to um, do the beekeeping thing. Cool. (laughs) <laughs> We're going to dig into all of that. Don't worry, folks. Yeah. Amber,
1: how about you?
2: Um, well, I am, uh, like you said, 15 years in marketing, I'm a copy editor. Um, I did dabble in writing for a little while, which is funny. I want to talk to you about that later. <laughs> <laughs> um, I had an agent and everything. It was Ooh. great. Um, but uh, but yeah, I I, 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 Alex has his, his um, you know, well, he'll talk a lot about, um, you know, how he has, um, you know, arthritis and, and physical um, issues and things. And, and for me, it it kind of, this idea of getting back to a natural way of being stemmed a lot from, um, like anxiety issues that I've had Mm -hmm. for my whole life. Mm Um, they, they came you know, kind of came to the fore about maybe 10 years ago. Mm -hmm. And, um, ever since then, it's, it's been a, it's, it's been a journey for me to kind of calm myself down and get back to a, a status quo where everything, you know, feels happy and comfortable. And, and doing something like this at home with my husband during the pandemic was, was a very natural fit for us. You know, I've always been very crafty. I've always, you know, loved making things and, and getting in there and, 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 you know, creating, whether it's something for writing or, or something physical and this really gave us the opportunity to, you know, go in and, and create something from mm. scratch that's just ours. That nice. you know nobody else has a has a hand in. It's just me and Alex living our lives and, and doing it in a very simple way that that appeals to us. Cool, cool. And before
0: um, we delve into yeah. what, yeah, the, the, the products you've developed uh, under Mad Russian Apothecary, want to get into that entrepreneurial journey of how you got there because I think it really informs then what those products became. Mm-hmm. And so just before the pandemic, if I'm not mistaken, is when kind of the first inklings of what this could be started going. And I, we have to start by, since this is a po- uh, audio podcast, describing that Alex has a very impressive long beard. <laughs> yes, he does. <laughs> I'm very jealous. And so can you talk about what was going on with the beard that First inspired your first product.
3: So, the beard was growing out. Um, I kind of just started growing the beard out once I moved more into the blue collar warehouse work and away from the retail management work. And it was almost like a uh, a statement against society, right? Like a beard isn't necessarily the professional image, especially once it starts getting longer. It's it's considered more for the outcasts and. From my previous life of chaos, I've always kind of been an outcast. And for me to put on that suit and tie and be the businessman was almost putting on a costume. It wasn't truly myself. Even though a lot of myself bled out into my management style, which is why I got along with my team so well. Um, But I needed beard oil for the beard. I got tired of buying garbage products in the stores. She's very crafty and kind of a baker. And you said alchemy before. We call her the alchemist. (laughs) And so I asked her to make me a, a better beard oil. We looked at all the ingredients that were in the various products on the shelf, took out all the bad ones, kept the good ones, um, the guinea pig on most of the products, and it worked really well, and we started using it.
1: Nice.
2: Yeah, it it was... It was a fun little experiment at first where, you know, he just said, I I just spent $35 on a one ounce bottle of beard Mm. oil. This is silly. Mm -hmm. We're not spending this much money on this anymore. I don't need this. And I said, well, baby, you got a, you have a beautiful beard. You you should be able to take care of it in a way that, you know, makes you feel good and, you know, makes you feel handsome because you are. And so I, that, that for me, that was my moment where I said, you know, he deserves something that makes him feel good and Mm -hmm. he doesn't want to spend the money on it, but... You know, every, everyone deserves to feel good. So I, that was when, you know, we kind of started looking at the ingredients, like he said, and and coming up with that formula. And I, I, I did a lot of research, you know, I'm, I'm you know, very, it was a very bootstrap kind of situation yeah, where sure. I just, I went online and I read about all the different oils and mm. I went onto the different websites and I put together what I thought was a good combination for the hair and the skin underneath. And mm. he tried it and just loved it and, and that that was that was really the beginning that was the start
1: um, let's talk for a second about the journey of bees so have you how long have you been keeping bees and what's that
3: that been like this is my second winter with the bees okay. so in beekeeping terms i'm mm-hmm. very new to it mm-hmm. yeah, um,
0: yeah. but this was started in the pandemic. So this yes. is when the pandemic crashes. <laughs> Can you talk passion, about what yeah. led you to go, you know, we're stuck inside. You know what you'd do? Be, keep. Yes. <laughs> um,
3: So I had, I had been having a hard time with the, the warehouse work. Um, I have a birth defect called bilateral radial ulnar synastosis. Um What that does is it malforms your forearm bones. And I, it ended up being severe degenerative arthritis in my hands, and I was having just a hard time doing the manual physical labor. Um, so I was looking for something that I could do at home for myself at my own speed, at my own pace, at my own time mm-hmm. that would work with my condition and my work ethic and be able to make it happen. Not a lot of people do the bees. Um, I enjoy nature, natural things. Kind, of, We were focusing more on a simple lifestyle and living.
2: Especially with with the start of the pandemic, that was one of the first things was we, just like everyone else, we kind of turned our gaze inward and looked at our at our household, at our home, uh, you know, the the way that the kids were were being schooled and the the way that our, our, we went grocery shopping all the time and and you know how we used our pantry and, and we just kind of turned everything inward and thought, what can we do to be more self sufficient? Self sufficient just for us. Mm. And you know where we didn't necessarily need to go out and buy things, what could we do in our home?
3: And, and what could we do that would be sustainable, regardless of any fluctuations in society? Mm-hmm. And I figured beekeeping and honey would be the best thing I can get into. I always had a knack with animals. I had never had any practice or training with bees. I never opened a hive before in my life um, until I got my first hive and it was just I took a beekeeping class online I went to um a lot of different websites and books and reading and just taught myself how to do it
2: yeah we're both very self-taught in this this whole venture we we started from scratch
3: cool um, with the I want to stay
1: on the beekeeping for just another minute though and so with beekeeping what is that what does that entail how much work is that i mean is this like a full-time job in itself um, and also kind of like to that end how much, how many hives do you have? How many bees, you know, how big of, of an
3: operation as it were, is that uh, as well? Okay. It is as much work as you want to make it. Huh. Um, hobby beekeepers will get like one or two hives, just keep like one or two hives in their backyard. And each hive on average, you put about a half an hour to an hour into it every couple weeks. Um, I started with four hives we started this very organically very naturally we didn't take out any business loans or borrow any money so I started with four hives and I doubled it in the first year and my plan is to keep exponentially doubling it till we get to about 50 to 100 hives Wow
2: and they're not all in our backyard we have um, we we have some in our backyard we have eight in our back or uh, six in our backyard right now four four in our backyard right now um, and we have various friends like who who own a farm mm. that we put beehives on their farm nice. and we have friends that just own, you know, a normal home, but they have lots of land. Yeah. And so we're going to expand onto, onto their, cool. yeah. They're going to get paid cool. honey. I was
1: going to say, that's how you, <laughs> that's what you do. You make a little deal and they get some honey and you get some, you know, more bees
2: to make more honey. Yeah. yeah. And it makes their garden better. I mean, any anytime that you put right. bees into an environment, it makes the environment better. Mm. So you just have to stay away from them. <laughs> yeah. Well,
3: you don't have to stay away from them. You just have to, watch how you behave around them
0: and so you've got these pandemic hobbies going you've got some raw honey and these bees and you've got this beard oil and you're really loving the beard oil and so can you talk about what point did these hobbies start to get out of control and veer into a business <laughs> <laughs> well we
2: it, it it gave it was very empowering to make the beard oil for Alex you know to make something that he really really enjoyed and thought that it was better than what he could get on the market as it was um and for me that was that was super empowering because it gave it gave me the confidence to say okay well I made this great product could I could I make something else what what else can I make and um, it started with our son who had a, a very bad uh, dry skin on the back of his hand it would it would crack it would get real scaly mm. and nothing that i put on it ever helped him i would wrap it in uh, lotion and then put gauze on top of it for when, when he went to bed and nothing ever helped it and so i thought okay well i've already i've tackled alex's problem let me see if i can tackle my son's problem mm. and fix it and um again you know we went back into the research mode trying to find different ingredients that i thought could help the different essential oils that i thought could help and um With his help, I actually kind of engaged my son in in making it with me. Uh, We came up with the Jeffy Red Hands, um, which is our an amazing hand lotion that um, actually gets rid of his his dry skin on the back of his hands. The only thing that's ever worked to get rid of that dry skin on the back of his hands, and I mean every single time I make a new product that fixes another problem, it's just a little bit more of. Encouragement to make something else. Well, what else can I make? Okay, well, I, I made the beard oil, I made the hand cream, and what else can I do? And you know, from there, we we started examining the the issues that we were having in our life. Again, turning that gaze inward to say, okay, well, mm. what what kind of products can can we make in 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 our house? And um, you know, I, I started making cleaning solution, I made homemade laundry soap, and well, we don't sell those. Um, Not yet, anyway. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, but uh, you know, it, it, it just kind of became a little bit more of a holistic lifestyle that we embraced. And, and every time Alex would come to me and say, oh, you know, I just shaved my head, my, my, you know, my head's kind of you know itchy and a little irritated, and I hmm. thought, I could make something for that. And,
3: and I had tried every single aftershave mm-hmm. on the market out there, every type of like Gillette moisturizer, and she combined the aftershave aspect with a moisturizing aspect, and I call it, we call it head skin balm, and it, it's the only thing that takes away the razor bumps and the irritation and the dry skin, and it's a one-and-done, it's simple to use. And as a man, that's what I like, because I don't like goop, I don't like product. Mm-hmm. But sometimes you have to use something. I mean, you use deodorant, you use toothpaste, you have to use stuff sometimes. Yeah.
0: And you have some great tattoos and you create a product to help folks with going through the tattoo process and healing, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that, was that
3: was at the request of our tattoo artist. He had asked us if, you know, he knew the other products we make, he had used some, and he asked us if there was anything we could do along those lines. And he presented to us what he was looking for and a couple of products to look at. And yeah. the alchemist stepped in.
2: Yeah, we, uh, we, <laughs> I, it took a couple batches to to come up with a really good formula for it, but we ended up taking, um, a cocoa butter, which is a very brittle, um, kind of a, uh, it's a very brittle lotion. Hmm. Um, like a, it's like a, like a butter, like a bar. Mm-hmm. But it's really hard. And when you mix it with mango butter, it creates this, almost like a silky smooth balm that you can put on. And um, the skin properties, the, the cell regeneration properties of the cocoa butter, you can't use it in its natural form because it's so brittle. But when mm. you mix it with the mango butter, it becomes this incredible paste that you can just like smooth on your tattoos. It sticks around for a little while. It actually does heal your tattoos better than pretty much anything on the market. I mean, I know wow. that... I know that there's we, – we say that a lot. Like, it actually does work, but that's one of the tenets <laughs> of what we do because it actually does. Like, we don't – we're, you know, we're, we're very straightforward. We're, we we don't – you know, we, we kind of say it like it is, Alex and I. And if we say that something works really great, then, you know, you kind of – I hate to say you kind of have to take our word for it, but – we don't we don't mess around with stuff like that it actually does work
3: we've had a lot of very positive feedback on our products and things like that the tattoos are the tattoo bomb it doesn't over moisturize it's not too goopy it stays long enough to do its job it's the perfect balance of everything
0: Mm -hmm. and all
3: of our products work like that in their own way
0: and so when did you officially launch mad russian apothecary and how did you start getting your product out there
3: so I have a very fluid concept of time. <laughs> <laughs> um,
2: I believe the very first, um, craft show that we did where we were, you know, excited about showing the product was when we were at that, um, that the hardcore hard, show that in hardcore Jersey. That hardcore metal show in Jersey. Yeah.
3: Yeah. Uh, my, one of my friends book shows down in New Jersey, um, a lot of like uh, punk and hardcore bands, you know, the very violent and aggressive perceived music. And he w- it was an outside show in the park. It was during the pandemic he had worked with the town so that it was you know it was okay everyone everyone kept as much social distancing as they felt comfortable keeping mm-hmm. and you know, he followed all the rules and ordinances and it was a charity for um a local animal shelter down there and it was called stomp out animal abuse and we set up a table down there just to help support them and go and have fun i love going to concerts the pandemic taking those concerts away It it was like taking church away from me. I need that communal experience with the music and the people. Mm -hmm. And so going down to that show, we set up our table and for selling healthcare products and hair and body lotions and whatnot at a hardcore punk show, we did well. Uh, We justified it. It paid for our trip.
2: You wow. wouldn't think that that would that those would go together, <laughs> right? You'd,
3: that that it would be your
1: audience, right? <laughs> you
2: wouldn't think that, but um, they, something about our products resonated with them. Whether it was our name, whether it was that Alex is a member of that community, right?
1: I was going to say it's probably a lot of your energy and, yeah. and as well, yeah,
2: yeah, and it it, it had to do, you know. Th- we were we were hitting a need that they had never had anyone pay attention to before, mm. you know. Nobody ever really focuses on you know the hardcore you know metal punks like nobody. That that's not anyone's core audience, <laughs> and so for us when we went there we we gave them all of our attention and we said you know what 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 are the kind of things that you need and we ended up selling so much uh, foot butter,
3: foot butter and hand oh, cream. Hand surprisingly, creams. is the two biggest sellers. You would like, think it's the, the head shaving or the tattoos or mm. the beard, but we find more people looking for the foot butter and the hand cream than pretty much anything else. Yeah. Wash
2: pits can be hard
0: on the feet. <laughs> <laughs>
3: oh my God.
2: Yeah. And it was funny. I mean, I get a kick out of it because it's, it's not my scene. You know, he, Alex will call me like the, his suburban white girl. and <laughs> And. And so for for me it's it's not it's not my scene I don't I, I don't go for that that kind of communal experience, but um I'm actually well known in that circle for I'm the girl that sits in the corner and reads her book the entire show and there, people oh, are like, "How can you awesome. do that?" And I, I don't know I just do, just do but it. Uh, you know it, it was a it was definitely a fun experience for me you know, selling foot cream and Mm. and talking to, you know, like these big giant men with shaved heads and tattoos all over them and, and, you know, long beards and, you know, talking to their wives and getting to know this community. It was, it was fantastic. I loved it. I loved every bit of it.
1: Cool. Let's keep going with that, with this story. Um, So we, we know you uh, have, have looked inward, um, you know, that the pandemic has, has, uh, you know, helped you to do that. And you've got these bees and you're making these, these salves and bombs and lotions and, and cool stuff that are obviously needed. Um, I think what I want to do maybe if we can is jump back a little bit. Mm -hmm. I read, um, I read something, I think I was actually the start of the article that you're talking with Matt on Alex and, um, you haven't always been able to look
3: inward. Am I right? Uh, that's absolutely correct. And I think because of that, it's why I'm able to now. Mm. Um, I resonate, like for instance, with the hardcore punk community mm-hmm. and, the, and the long beard and the tattoos because for a large portion of my life, it was a life of chaos and it was a life of struggle. Mm-hmm. And I didn't have a chance to look inward because I was in, you know, as Matt said earlier, I was in a true survival mode. Mm-hmm. Um, while I was a teenage runaway, while my friends were worried about what college they went to, or, you know, the football game, or if they were going to make the team, I was worried about where I was going to sleep, um, how I was going to pay my rent. I couldn't worry about going to college at the time because I had to worry about my job and where I was going to have a roof. Um, and that went on. I fell into drugs, um, and I, I, struggled for many, many years, Yeah. What? and
0: that informed yeah. the name of the business it, it, it's interesting you know we we, <laughs> we have the story in the January issue of business new hampshire magazine but you know i often ask people with unusual names of, uh, for their business you know well where that name come from and i have to say i've never gotten an answer as deep mm. <laughs> and as um personal as your story. And so you just spoke about these struggles that you had as a teenager that you eventually were able to overcome that a lot of people would not have been able to, but you got this nickname from that. Um, and that's where the mad came about. Can you talk a bit about that and then where the Russian part comes from and and why you chose to reclaim both of those for this business?
3: Yeah. I, I love the way you phrase that too. Um, taking it back and claiming it. Mm. Um, Cause I had never really thought of it that way. I just always thought of it as being honest and straightforward. And I find that a lot of people aren't honest and straightforward. And that might be why we appeal to our customers as well as we do. Um, I got the nickname, the mad Russian because my full name is Alexey of And that's obviously not John Smith. It's not an American <laughs> name. Um, so it's always been obvious that I have a Russian lineage. And that's always been kind of at odds. I grew up, I was born in 76, um, so I grew up during the Cold War era. Um, It was a point of contention, it was a bullying method back in the day. And I quickly learned to not care about that and overcome that and just stand my own ground and take care of myself. Um, And that's in the life of chaos and the trouble I was in. I god bless my guardian angel uh they've done a fantastic job throughout my life because i have somehow managed to skirt severe jail time um, death uh, i should be in jail or dead based on some of the things that have happened mm-hmm. to me and i've been able to overcome that and along the way i just i got the nickname the mad russian people just started calling me that and that's kind of stuck and i i put it on the business because it just it popped it made sense mm-hmm. um, it's something i was doing it I love the bees. I consider them very therapeutic to be able to calmly go work with them. It's almost like a meditative state that you have to be in to work with them and to apply the the mad Russian heritage to this job, I think just made perfect sense.
0: Nice. And I do love that. You know, I think a lot of people were, since the pandemic have tried to seek out, you know, what, how do I make more room for calm in my life and mm-hmm. gain that control. Mm-hmm. I don't think most people went bees, you know, like <laughs> for most of us, that's like a stressor point. Like there's right. one bee flying around you and it's like swatting around and thinking like it's the end of the world. Which is
3: absolutely the wrong thing to do.
0: Right. And so, but you <laughs> talked about, and, and I want to delve into more about, you know, you go into these swarms, you know, these hives, mm mm-hmm. And you have found peace in there. Can you talk about? You, you started touching on it, but you know what kind of state do you find yourself have to be in to deal with bees? And how has that helped you in your life progression and your business progression to learn to be in that place?
3: Mm-hmm. It's it's absolutely helped um, calm me down. Anyone who's done any form of meditation or mindful thinking, um, Mm -hmm. maybe in therapy sessions or whatnot, um, meditative yoga, where you hold a pose for a long time and you're breathing in and you're thinking about that part of your body that you're trying to stretch out. It's very much the same thing. The bees, much like dogs, much like children will react to the energy you put out Mm. and uh, without getting really, you know, hoodoo, hokey pokey type of stuff. (laughs) Um, it's, it's a hundred percent true. If you're stressed out, the bees will be stressed out. If the bees are stressed out and you're calm, to a point you can calm them down as well and there are times when they're just like nope you're not messing with me today and you just you close the box walk away Mm. um and it's it's been a very calming journey and there's a lot of talk about the health benefits of working with bees um smelling the hives the beehive air is supposed to be therapeutically good for you bee venom therapy is one of the things that drew me to working with them to help with my arthritis in my hands um a lot of beekeepers live long lives and there's a lot of anecdotal talk that it's because of the bees and the bee stings and working with the hive air.
2: Yeah, it's really inspiring to watch him do it because he gets into this um really beautiful kind of zen state where he goes out there and I mean he he coos at them sometimes and says, <laughs> "Oh, you look at your look at your little your little babies they're so cute oh look at you You're so cute. <laughs> and to, to, to kind of sit back and watch him do that you know knowing you know his history and you know his his you know propensity for you know uh, uh, that kind of combative sense that he has that that where that mad russian nickname came from mm. to see him so calm and just I'm, I'm i'm making a motion with my hands to yeah. like you know kind of bring the energy down mm-hmm. and you can watch him and you can feel it around him and you can feel those bees react to it and it's a beautiful thing to watch it it really is it's it's like harmonious and it's not everybody that can you know find that kind of meditative harmony in a swarm of 10,000 bees you know 10,000 stinging insects and regardless
3: of working the hives and being in the bee suit and with a smoker I'll also stand in front of the hives or bee and bee swarms like if you're around bees and you're swatting if there's one or two bees around you picture being in a swarm of bees Mm. when they're leaving they're splitting off the nest and they're going up into a tree branch and you're literally in a bee tornado of bees they're everywhere they're bouncing off your head they're they're flying around, and you know, maybe they're getting stuck in your beard or they're getting under your collar. Mm. And for the most part, you you find you can stand there as long as your energy is good. The bees aren't concerned with you. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Um,
1: as we're talking, it came up with another question, and I'm just curious. Um, you know knowing you said you were his sort of white suburban housewife um mm-hmm. and Alex is a, is is very different in terms of his least his music scene in that way and and maybe upbringing and, and all that but
2: how did the two of you meet we met on match.com um i had been married before and um i had just uh, gone through my divorce and i had uh, i had two young kids and uh, a friend of mine said we should join match together and I was like oh yeah. god okay fine I'll do it with you that's the only person <laughs> and she ended up not even joining so it was just me and um, and we met and we kind of bonded together over um, an old 80s movie and yeah and that was that was pretty much it we we met for our first date and we went we, we got coffee and then we like walked and looked at the stars and at one point he pointed up and said is that the is that the Big Dipper and I looked up and the second that we both kind of looked up and saw the Big Dipper, a shooting star went through it, oh, and my I was goodness. like, "Oh, babe <laughs> that's like my moment." That's that was my moment. So, um, but yeah, that's that's how we met, and we cool. we just he, he says all the time, "What is it that you say all the time?" Um, you don't have to be the same, but you just have to work together.
3: Yeah, we work very well because we have a lot of differences. So we each do our own thing and have our own time to ourselves and whatnot. And we have a lot of shared interests so we can coexist together. And even she'll go to my hardcore shows and she's fine. I'll go to her. I, I took her to Nutcracker a couple of years ago, yeah. uh, the ballet, and I, I'm fine doing those things too. Um, mm. Took her to see Alanis Morissette. And if you would ask me if I'd ever see Alanis <laughs> Morissette, Aww. I'd have laughed at you. <laughs> yeah. so, and we work very well because of that, because we're, we're alike, but we're different.
2: Yeah, we're very respectful of what the other one likes, and you know, supportive. I mean, I'm always, I'm always so supportive of anything that he wants to do. So
1: nice. And do you feel like that also plays into the the creation and growth of this business as well? Um, it seems obviously like you have, um, you know. Alex is, is B-focused and, and obviously a great model for the products and things like that. Mm-hmm. And you've got this background and and obviously are in, interested in, in learning more and developing, you know, these, these formulas and whatnot. Um, seems to me like a pretty good match. <laughs> it does. You know,
2: it's fantastic the way that we kind of fell into it. It You know, he, he manages a lot of, um, you know, the outreach and the social media and nice. stuff like that so that I... In, in my in my professional life, that's mm-hmm. what I do every yeah. day. Yeah. And well, and
1: one would think maybe that that's what you would do
3: for the business, but he's kind that's of that's what that I one. would have thought. Okay. Because uh, I'm yeah. th- I'm kind of a caveman with technology. Um, I'm making a conscious effort right now not to do the old man yelling into the microphone thing, because <laughs> uh, I want to raise my voice. I want to make sure I'm being heard. Um, and
1: Mike uh, says thank you from the control room. Nice. Uh,
3: and. Absolutely. With the business, I couldn't do what we're doing without her. She wouldn't Mm. be doing what we're doing without me. Um, The business needs both of us, the way it's set up to work. And you know, she talked about I handle the social media and the outreach, and I'm very super casual about it. I'm not out there trying to increase my metrics in any way, shape, or form. I just post funny, stupid pictures now and then. And (laughs) I'm very much organic about it. I feel like like, the opportunity like this, talking to you guys, being Mm -hmm. at that fair, all Mm -hmm. these things just kind of they kind of just happen. Like, yes, you have to make them happen. Yes, you have sure. to seize the opportunity. Sure, but uh, we don't actively go out there and try to make it happen. I don't worry about how many followers or subscribers or likes I get.
2: We we very much feel like our tribe will find us, mm. and and that that's our that's our philosophy. Yeah. The people that need our stuff will find us, and and it seems to be
1: working. Mm-hmm. So I was going to say to that, that end. Two years, <laughs> mm-hmm.
0: you've been Alex. You've been able to. Devote yourself full-time to the business. Mm-hmm. Um, can you talk about where the business is at, how you've grown y- y- your sales channels, um, and where you hope to take this endeavor?
3: Yeah, um, well, again, we, we bootstrapped it and tried to very organically start it up. Um, I would say at this point, the business is paying for itself. Um, I'm not taking like a true paycheck or anything out of it. Um, a lot of it's going right back into it because growing the bees is really where a lot of the money goes into mm-hmm. the, um, the hives are a significant investment. And uh, again, doing it organically, I'm not paying for the bees anymore. i just growing the hives and splitting those hives, but the woodenware, the actual hive bodies themselves mm-hmm. are very expensive. And even a lot of the equipment you need as a hobby beekeeper. Um, I don't need giant assembly lines to, for my honey production, but I do need certain pieces of equipment that mm-hmm. add up. Uh, i think the we started small we're about medium size right now
2: yeah we started just with craft fairs and then we moved on to etsy mm-hmm. and we were doing okay on etsy for a little while and we decided to take that jump and and you know pay for a website and that has that's pay for that usually pays for itself mm-hmm. we do a lot um paid advertising and sponsorships that was one of the first things that we that we really dove into is that we we contacted the podcast that Alex listens to and we said well how much are your how much are your sponsorship packages and then we would buy a sponsorship for you know three months and see where that goes and and we still get customers from those we do nice. I and mean,
3: we did that for a little while and then we even kind of retracted from that we're more focused on local mm-hmm. trying to survive in an online world it's it's a whole different level of engagement and marketing that I'm not prepared to get into and don't know if I really even want to fight that battle. And right now our website's more of just, instead of having a brick and mortar storefront, our website reaches out to a lot of people locally that may not want to come by to pick it up or wait to see us at a craft fair or something. Mm-hmm. And it's been working pretty well.
2: Yeah, yeah. and then the next steps for our business is we're, we're in the process um, of transforming one of the rooms in our home into a, a an industrial style kitchen um, where we can, you know, I don't. At the moment, I mean, I, I say this all the time at craft show, so it's fine. Um, everything that we make, I make in my kitchen, mm-hmm. like with, with my KitchenAid mixer, yeah. and you know, I double boil stuff, and everything gets sterilized, and everything gets you know mm-hmm. is is sanitary. But from a professional, you know, business perspective, you do mm-hmm. need to have a space right. that's specifically dedicated to. And frankly, we're running out business. of space. <laughs> I you know, was going to say, I we're bet we're that's 100% happening. We're 100 percent
3: stepping on each other. I'm I'm bottling yeah. honey, and I'm bumping elbows with her. She's trying to cook dinner. <laughs> it, it, we need that yeah. dedicated space for the apothecary, so I'm working on dedicating a honey room.
2: Yeah, both of our offices are packed full with you know overstock of supplies and tins and mm-hmm. and you know base lotions and base oils and things. So we're 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 pretty packed in. So having this extra room upstairs is is really going to help us
1: yeah.
2: expand and yeah. and.
1: Do you think you'll be in uh, or want to be in any local shops or have any connections, you know, with folks saying, hey, let's carry, we want to carry your product, that sort of thing? Absolutely. Yeah.
3: Yeah. We're already in a few different shops. Oh, nice. Um, We're in a Bohemian Cove, a crystal shop down in Haverhill, Mass. Oh, wow. Yeah. We're in uh the bread makery um a russian bread maker in salem new hampshire <laughs> which is
2: a great fit they're wonderful cool. yeah. and we also were in the um the locally Amesk.
3: handmade at the mall oh we're
2: in locally handmade that's right
3: yeah, yeah. we're at uh, the manchester millyard museum we're in his gift shop oh really and a lot of wow. these opportunities just we met him at the goffstown pumpkin regatta we were doing yeah. a table there um
2: yeah a lot of our opportunities come from people you know, coming up to us and saying, wow, we really love your product. We've used it. We mm-hmm. love it. We would love to have you in our shop. And we don't necessarily reach out to different businesses. We tried that at first mm-hmm. um, and it was it was frustrating and, yeah. and difficult. Yeah. And so we, we, we kind of took a step back from that and said, is that something that we really want to do? Do we really want to send salespeople out to barber shops and ask them if they want to hold mm-hmm. our product or do we just want to let the product speak for themselves and, that reputation, you know, is growing for us, and yeah. especially in dairy, we have repeat customers that see us at craft shows that go, "Oh my god, that Mama Bear night cream! I used it, and I love it <laughs> so much. I need to buy it for everybody that I know." And, you know, that that that's happened for us, and so it's been fantastic. And my parents have helped too. They they um they my dad's a podiatrist, ah. and so he stocks our foot cream in his office. Good dad, um, good the, dad. Yeah, that was that was that was, <laughs> that was I think one of the very first ones. And our tattoo artist, um, for a little while, sold the tattoo bomb in his in his shop mm-hmm. uh, or his um, studio. His studio yeah. in, in the in the shop in, in Salem. So yeah, interesting. We're very open to those opportunities, and we would love to to grow that. You know, as a business, it's just like I said, not something that we kind of actively seek out. We we more. Let let those people come to us, and and we'll we'll talk. You know, when when they come to us and say, "Hey, we'd love to sell your honey," there's well, maybe I shouldn't talk about it. There's an cool. opportunity that we have um, <laughs> that we're looking into at the moment for um, a small restaurant that um, is wonderful. That is um, considering uh, using our honey for um, their recipes yeah. for in their kitchen. So cool. that's cool. that's a really cool thing. Though, yeah. I'm I'm, I'm I, glad
1: I, that you. Um, sorry to interrupt you. I want no. to say one thing, but I'm glad that you kind of went back to that because what I keep. Feeling from the two of you and hearing is that this is all natural. And I don't just mean the products, right? I mean, the two of you Mm -hmm. met naturally, right? The pandemic happened. Everything that is happening now to this business is natural. When you start to push it, like you said, you know, trying to send out salespeople or reach out to, to, to other businesses, it doesn't necessarily work. Maybe because it's not supposed to because that's not the natural way. That's not the energy that you guys are putting out right now, right? You're not hustling and and, and I'm sure you could if you wanted to because you've got <laughs> an awesome product and, and a great brand, but like you're doing it at a pace that seems very comfortable and very, you know, now you know that you gotta have a little bit more space at home, so you're gonna have that room and, and, and there's phases. And to me, you know, as someone who is like so sometimes, um, specific about how to do things in business. I love to just hear that you're just kind of going with it at the pace that makes sense to you as a family and as, as business people. I love that. So I'm kind of glad you brought that back to that because the energy that's here, and I wish that our, our listeners could feel the energy and maybe they can through your voice in the story, but um, is that this is just something that you were supposed to do. You're supposed to meet, you're supposed to do this. You're supposed to be, in this space right now, and who knows what
3: will come with that from that? Like that's really cool to me. Yeah, We've definitely grown to a level we didn't necessarily anticipate uh, already. And um, Matt had asked me before where I where I see the business in five years, mm. and I don't know as if I have a true solid answer for that because you know you talk about we don't push it. Um, I've been behind the counter. I've been the, the guy who's there when the sales rep comes in, the vendor, and it's like, <laughs> dude, I'm busy. I don't want to yeah. talk to you. Right. Like, I appreciate you. I know you're just trying to do your job, mm-hmm. but I, I don't have time for you. Yeah. And, and I hate being that person on the other side of the counter mm-hmm. trying to sell them my product. I would rather just let it happen. And we did try a few times, and it just it never felt right. Mm-hmm. Um, I never felt right pushing our stuff. Um, if someone's going to carry it, they'll reach out to us. If they're interested in it, they'll talk to us, and these opportunities just naturally present themselves, and the business has naturally presented itself. So yeah, you're absolutely right. Cool.
0: A lot. It's obvious that uh, you've brought so much of yourselves to the business, and, and, and your experiences um, have helped to shape the business and the direction of the business. I, I want to explore the flip side of that. So how has the entrepreneurial journey and being creators and makers? either changed or influenced you in these past two years?
2: I've always been someone who's been very crafty. I love making stuff uh, you know Alex will he he's had to when we go to craft shows he's had to kind of give up part of our table for I call it Amber's craft corner <laughs> because I'll just I'll, I'll I'll get into a moment where I just I just want to make something oh I want to make candles today or I want to make earrings today and, or and bookmarks. or bookmarks mm-hmm. that was another big one for a little while um you know where and I just I don't have I haven't ever really had an outlet for for selling them for you know I just give them away to people I knit for you know and and whenever I I finish my knitting project I'm like okay well I'm done with this I don't want to look at it anymore I've you know and and (laughs) I give it away and it's it's something that's always kind of been a part of me and and the the business has has given me a lot of confidence in knowing that what I make is good and it's, it's not just crafty and silly and, you know, a little hobby that I do. It's, it's actually nice stuff. And, and it it makes me feel good when I know that people are appreciative of the crafts that I do, you know, even just for Christmas this year, you know, we made homemade apple butter at home. It's delicious. And, you know, I know that, you know, we, we necessarily can't sell it, but it's, it's wonderful, and it's something that that's worthy of a gift. I think mm-hmm. is, that, and that's that's mm-hmm. that's a good mindset for it. Is that it's not? I'm not just making silly things that people are like, "Ooh, this is great," and then throw, they throw it away. It's actually nice, and, and It has value. It, it does, yeah. and and that that has has. I'll, I'll piggyback on that, and it, it's given it's given me value, in, in that this is my hobby, but it's also something that I love, and that I'm good at, and that I can embrace. And um, I've actually kind of taken that that feeling that I've had that, that, you know, my stuff is worth something and it's, it's good. And um, we mentioned earlier that I work at NHTI. I actually enrolled um, at NHTI in uh, January for their visual arts degree. So I am kind of taking another step and and like really embracing that creativity that I have. So.
3: Very cool. For me, I feel much like she does with the value, but I feel like it's legitimized uh, my life and my, I I don't want to say career in a way, but Mm -hmm the people i've met the things i've done a lot of it's been very cool um i wouldn't have met you know matt or you nathan for instance uh meeting andre the owner of bread makery down in salem has been great and the guy is like straight out of moscow and being able to talk to him has been really fun (laughs) um he was giving me a hard time about my name my name alexiev is actually improper russian and I can't do the Russian accent, God bless me. Uh, <laughs> but he's like, you know, you're old enough now. You can change that. And I'm like, well, I don't want to change it. That's what you're I was old given. old enough now. <laughs> yeah. Because uh, the V is improper. It should be Alexia. Uh, um, okay. But I don't want to change it because my past is what's made me what I am today. Mm. And if you had asked me even 20 years ago, um, I think I had just started climbing out of the hole about 20 years ago, um, that I would be doing a podcast for Business New Hampshire Magazine, talking about my own beekeeping business and growing two more bee yards next year by splitting my own beehives, I'd have laughed at you. Like that that whole concept would be completely alien to me.
2: With your beautiful life.
3: With my beautiful wife, yes, of course. <laughs> yeah, yeah,
1: exactly. Um, you know what? I, I think that's a fantastic way to wrap our time together. Um, your past has absolutely made you what you are today. And I think the two of you together as this business team and seemingly this family team as well are doing awesome stuff. And, and we thank you for that. But um, we're also excited that we got to meet you and you've got to tell your story to our listeners. So uh, keep up the good work, keep up the great energy, and thank you. Thank you.
2: Thank you so much. All right.
1: Alex and Amber Gaverluck, our mad Russian apothecary. Thanks.
0: Thank you for joining us today. If you enjoyed the stories and information you heard on today's podcast, find more by subscribing to Business NH Magazine or visiting businessnhmagazine.com. I'm Matt Mowry. And I'm Nathan Carroll. BizCast NH is a production of Granite.